Hello everybody, welcome to Bible study. It's a hot afternoon in Lagos, Nigeria and uh, I hope you're having a lovely day. So like I always say, we're going to dive right in, get your Bible, your concordance, your dictionary, your pen, your paper, a nice cup of coffee, find a quiet place and let us go back into the journey of the first named salary earner in the Bible. Just as a pre-note, if you haven't listened to the previous study on careers, the marketplace, and believers, I would suggest episode one of that. I would suggest that you do so. It is full of so many nuggets. But let's dive right into what we're going to be doing today. So the very first thing that hits us as we take a journey to Genesis chapter 29, and uh, we'll be taking it from verse 12 all the way to... Uh, about verse um, verse 19 so about 12 to 19 there are just about seven verses right and or, or if you're interested because the story it reads like a soap opera you know all those series things that we watch so you could actually read that scripture till the end very very interesting but let's do a quick recap or let's mention some things that stand out and lead to where we are going in this study so we had studied this study i tagged negotiating for wages and uh, this is the first wage negotiation in the bible so for god to have put it out there that means that there is something that god wants us to learn about wage negotiations in the bible and um, it's very interesting uh, that we you know look into this and learn what the holy spirit has for us so the first thing was that um David in the, I said David, <laughs> obviously I'm a lover of King David, but um, we're talking about Jacob here, Genesis chapter 29. So Jacob in the preceding verses had shown ingenuity in the sense that he had brought about a wonderful solution to an existing process or system that would increase productivity. He had used this productivity idea in front of a door opener who happened to be Rachel. The door opener had taken his report to Laban, who happened to be the one that had the capacity to make the final decision. We call them door openers. We call them um, gatekeepers, right? People that have the access to the king or to the key decision maker and have the ability to take your report. It is very important because if you go to verse 12 of Genesis chapter 29, which reads that, and it came to pass when Laban heard the report, he heard the report about Jacob. Now, Jacob, his sister's son, they didn't say that Laban heard that Jacob was his sister's son. No, he heard the ingenuity that Jacob had brought to the processes. And it is interesting that it was when Laban heard the report, he saw something in Jacob that even Jacob didn't see in himself. It was interesting that he responded to the value he saw in the report and embraced him. The very first point in our negotiation story from verse 12 is that the world will respond only to their perceived value of you. So if so, what is the perceived value of you? That is the very first question on a negotiation table. The second thing we see is as you go down to verse um. 13 he said uh jacob stayed with him and for one month and after and, and and based on historical 
research, he didn't stay there loafing around. He actually also walked with him. So it was after that one month of staying with him and probably walking with him, he used the caveat of the fact that you're my relative and he wouldn't serve me for nothing. But believe me, I had said in the previous study that we are going to study Laban. Laban does not offer anything for free. So Laban obviously gave Jacob what I would call a confirmation period. Now, in our world of today, some confirmation periods are three months, some confirmation periods are six months, but he observed him for one month before offering him full employment. Lesson two, remember our lesson one, the world will only respond to what it perceives as value, value in you. Lesson two, the world does not operate on sentiment. It confirms before it offers. So when you are going to a negotiation table, sentiment is not part of the conversation. In offering you a job or offering you a new role or offering you a promotion or offering you a bigger stage, it is the world is responding to something it has confirmed that you have the capacity to do. Now, I want to make another point after this, my third point. Do you think no think about it i mean as we read about laban this will become so clear to you laban oh my goodness well do you think laban offered jacob a job just because he liked him no you know we had talked about sentiment now i want to reiterate this with point three the world does not make an offer where it doesn't see value so i will recap one two three again the world will only respond to perceived value the world does not operate on sentiment it confirms before it makes an offer the world number three does not make an offer where it does not see value and how do we know this because it laban said to uh um, um, um to, to to jacob in verse 15 he said i believe it's verse 15 yes said tell me what will your wages be he offered him a blank check i mean who walks with you for one month and you offer him a blank check i mean forget that relative thing as i said when we study laban you will realize that laban was not relative driven neither was he sentiment driven so it becomes clear that laban saw something in jacob that was worth him offering a blank check to him therefore point four the world and when i mean the world i mean the world outside of believers the system that we are operating will is usually pick is usually quick to pick and see the value that people bring to the table hmm. so we see that the world does not operate on sentiment it must perceive value it confirms that value before it gives you an offer it doesn't make an offer if it doesn't see value now the question is okay so we know what the how the world behaves the bigger question is how did, did jacob respond you know it's very interesting as you read from verse 15 16 jacob responded if you read that scripture he says jacob responded um, um i will serve you for seven years for rachel your younger daughter hmm interesting you know it reads to me as you read the scripture like jacob responded like someone who was in a disadvantaged position he felt like he had to do extra to earn and forget this was the woman he loved i mean he he, he jacob if it was jacob coming as um, isaac's son with all the wealth that we know that isaac had he would not have had to work for seven years but he felt that he had nothing to offer 
He felt that he was at a disadvantaged position. Although Jacob had received the covenant of promise, he did not he had not experienced its manifestation or seen its power. So as a believer in the marketplace, do you know that you have spiritual advantages? The Bible says it is the Lord that teaches you how to profit. Do you understand the weight of the truth of God's promises that are backing you up as you step in the marketplace? Or do you, are you like Jacob? Do you think that you are going with a disadvantage? That's my point five. Now my sixth point. How do you think Jacob would have responded if he knew in manifestation the truth about who he was? Do you think he would have negotiated differently? I think he would. Therefore, my sixth point. Do you know your strengths? Can you clearly articulate what you bring to the table? Because you see, if the world can see your strengths more than you can, you will always negotiate from a point of disadvantage. Interesting, isn't it? So it is therefore important that you sit down to articulate your strengths and what you think you bring to the table. And be clear about that vision. The seventh thing that I noticed, and these are the seven key points about negotiations that we are drawing out from this, this scripture, that Jacob didn't pause to ask God what he should ask for. Instead, did you notice that Jacob based his request on one, his physical desires and short-term vision, which means I love this girl, I'm attracted to her. The Bible says of Rachel, by the way, that she was fine in face and form. Interpretation, she had a beautiful face and an amazing figure. Ha ha. So the guy was blown away. So Jacob based his request, so we don't digress, on his physical desires and his distorted opinion of himself and what he was bringing to the table. If he had just taken a little time to ask God, God, what should I ask for? God would probably have given him the wisdom to ask for something that was eternal. How do we know that you can have wisdom to ask for something that was that is eternal? I will refer you back to the story of Judah and Tamar in the Bible. When Judah asked Tamar what he should ask for, Tamar said to Judah, I want your staff and your seal. She wanted indisputable evidence of what God was going to do for her. And that became the evidence that saved her in the future. If you're curious, you really should Google Judah and Tamar and read up that story. Another wonderfully interesting story in the Bible. So my point, point seven, when you are in any negotiation, always remember to pause and ask God what you should request for. Now, what was the outcome of this seven points? And David's, I'm sorry, there I go with David again. Maybe I could do a study on David. With Jacob's perception of himself. Jacob obviously got a bad deal. Jacob got cheated. And this, in fact, if you read the whole scripture, he got cheated. 14 years worth of cheating. 
Jacob gave so many years of his life with no major results when you compare it to the potential that he carried. It is a dangerous thing to go into the marketplace as a child of the Most High God, not having a clear view of the fact that you have an advantage because God is backing you up. Genesis chapter 39 verse 1 and 2 says, the Lord was with Jacob of Joseph and therefore Joseph was a prosperous man because the Lord was with him and the Lord caused everything that Joseph did to prosper. You have the God advantage to cause everything that you do to prosper. You have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to help you articulate that which has been put inside of you as strengths and to be able to speak it forth. You have the gift, the ability of a wisdom and a tongue that even adversaries cannot deny to speak it forth. And you have the ability to ask the almighty God who sees beyond what you can see when you are at the negotiation table. Therefore, it is a dangerous thing for a believer to go into the marketplace with no knowledge of who you are in Christ, the advantage that you bring, a clear understanding of your strengths, an ability to articulate your advantage to wherever you are going, and a total dependence on God in all negotiations. And I mean all, not some. Without the above, it is almost certain that you will be getting the short end of the stick. Asking for things based on your physical desire and short-term visions. And may work for years, getting results which are so par to the potential that you carry. Let us pray. Daddy, we repent today for every time that we have gone into the world to negotiate for jobs, to negotiate for contracts, to negotiate for anything without knowing who we are in you, without realizing that you back us up, without asking you what we should ask for, without operating in your wisdom and your favor. We ask for your help, that you open the eyes of our understanding so that we will know who we really are and therefore be able to negotiate better in the marketplace. Thank you for teaching us about negotiations in the marketplace, especially for people who are going to be working with others. We love you. Thank you, Big D. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, amazing HS, the amazing Holy Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Bible study. I hope you were blessed. Don't forget to pray about all the points that were raised and expect God to teach you how to walk in them. And make sure you read your Bible. Till next time, remember, Jesus loves you very, very, very much. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you.